Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 26. In today's show, we'll be talking to Kim Addis, president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and Journal Engine Software. Kim's going to tell us how using journaling as a feedback loop can help you gain clarity on how to achieve your business and personal goals. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Shy. How are things going today? Just great. How was your weekend? Oh, uh, decent. Decent. It was nice to get out with occasional decent weather. But yeah, it's it's always a recharge. Always nice to get out uh, outside and away from the confines of offices and things of that nature. It's decent. And now you just got back from some skiing. Tell me about it. Yeah, I got out on my snowboard for some of the last turns of the season um, out in Crested Butte. Colorado. It's so beautiful there. It was last weekend of the season. And it was a lot of fun because people were out in costume. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of the, uh, you know, the folks that work on the mountain celebrating their last weekend and Uh, as well as a lot of locals and folks like me that came in from out of town. So there was all kinds of events and people dressed in crazy costumes. And I don't know, I saw some ninja turtles out there i saw several (laughs) different kinds of farm animals superheroes we had a great time anybody water skiing it's funny you should mention that they actually did some of that they had a water skimming contest where you could sign up for that and you know it transitions from skiing down the hill to skimming across a pond that they make they make a makeshift pond yeah it was really fun Uh, i didn't partake but boy did i enjoy watching it was amazing I was curious, what are they offering nowadays as a reward for doing such craziness? <laughs> Just the uh, adoration of the fans okay. that are lined up. <laughs> sure, sure. So, yeah. I mean, there was definitely a big crowd. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, great stuff. So, today's topic, what are we looking at? Well, you know, we're going to be speaking with Kim Addis, and she's an amazing woman, you know, just a very well-known coach and speaker and among other things. And, you know, she does a lot of work around journaling, and she has a really unique process with the software that she uses and her methods. And have you ever done journaling before, Craig? I remember back in, uh, what, eighth grade kind of thing, the English teacher requiring us to do a journal every day. And so that's, that's where it ended. But I'm seeing things are really coming alive in journaling. Well, it is topical, right? There's a whole school of thought, especially in neurobiology, that's looking at mindfulness, which is a big buzzword now, you know, whether you're talking about yoga or deep breathing, journaling, writing in and of itself is a form of mindfulness and meditation. And what's exciting about it is that there's a lot of people that have known for a long time or at least experienced these benefits. But to a lot of us, this just sounds like fluff from time to time, right, to the to the more cynical folks. Sure. Yeah. And so it's an exciting time because through a lot of the research that's out there, we're actually seeing now that there is a direct link between our brains and our body in terms of the physiological benefits of participating in this kind of activity. And I got to tell you, I've been experimenting with journaling myself, and it's been a really interesting process. So you've started journaling, and what are the initial ahas that you come across? <laughs> well, I, you know, I've been doing it only for a few months now. And one thing that's been a challenge is trying to make it like any other new thing that you want to become a habit is trying to do it consistently. And so that's been a challenge. What I try to do is, for me, I'm trying to do it first thing in the morning, just to sort of clear out whatever was in my head. 
almost it, like control alt delete mm-hmm. and are you using keyboard or are you using pen and pencil or pen and paper and stuff? oh my handwriting's so bad that i wouldn't be able to read my own thoughts <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm i'm journaling on the computer but, but what i've noticed about it is that when i'm able to do it and when i really just let my mind go and i don't think about it whatever comes out i just type and then uh, when i look back on those things after a few days it really helps me gain some perspective. You know, that we always talk about this around coaching. Like one of the biggest challenges is that it's very difficult for you to see the world the way the world sees you. Mm-hmm. So this is a way of quite literally climbing inside your own head because mm-hmm. you're putting your thoughts down and then you can sort of reflect on what's going on and see what emerges. And it's been interesting to look at some themes that come up. The other thing I've noticed is that when I'm really frustrated and I write and I write I just write about my frustration, whatever it happens to be. I do feel a sense of relief. And then sometimes when I look back on it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I was that upset about that thing. <laughs> Sounds a little scary on the surface. Well, no, it, it's actually biological. I mean, you know, your amygdala, when, when you get excited and riled up about things, it shuts off other parts of your brain and you don't think as clearly. And that's why we can get so upset sometimes around emotional triggers And so it's really interesting to be able to look back at that and realize, you know, now that I can look at this from a rational state of mind, now that I've recovered from my amygdala hijack, so to speak, and I can look back at this rationally, I can see that actually this was not such a big deal in the first place. And that also allows you to reflect on, okay, so what was it that made me get that upset in the first place? It's very interesting. That was sort of an unexpected result of this. As business owners, this is something we're dealing with all the time. There's so many opportunities to go off the ozone regarding issues that are happening around us, things that we have to address that we may rather not have to, but things come to us and that causes that emotional level tension. And I can see where journaling could play a role. It's just a matter of how to do it. I understand we've got an expert with us. Yeah, we do. Our uh, guest today is Kim Addis. She's an author, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, and mother of five. Kim is recognized as one of North America's foremost experts on performance through thought mastery. By using her unique process of integrating online journaling and her coaching, Kim helps her highly driven clients to examine and shift their thinking in order to yield extraordinary results. Good morning, Kim. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. And we're excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in coaching and what came to founding Frame of Mind Coaching? You know, coaching is in my blood. I think I've been a coach ever since I was a kid. You know, I was that kid who everybody would come to to ask for advice. But the real story is this, is that in my last business, I owned an assessment company and we used to build simulation-based assessments. And we used to test hundreds of thousands of people to really figure out who would be the top performer in any given industry, in any given field, in any given position. And we found out something very interesting as a result of all that testing. And that was that people who performed at a higher level typically had a higher level of emotional resilience. And so that was one interesting finding. I mean, we tested for all kinds of things, but that's what stood out. 
So we tested for intelligence, we tested for skill set, we tested for personality, but that emotional resilience component was the critical factor in determining whether someone would, would succeed at much, much higher levels. And so that was really important for me in determining whether or not to start a coaching company. I looked around in the industry and I noticed that coaching is by and large fueled on the concept of helping people reach goals by giving them an action plan and holding them accountable to that action plan. And for me, that felt a little funny. It felt a little skewed. It didn't feel right to me. I thought, you know what? What if we could help people and coach them to build their emotional resilience? If that's really the critical component, then let's do that. And that's where Frame of Mind Coaching was born. Emotional resilience. So tell me a little bit, how, how does one measure emotional resilience? Well, first of all, what is emotional resilience? Emotional resilience is the ability to bounce back from adversity with speed and agility. And I'll add one more thing to that. It's the ability to leverage the adversity. So do something good with it. So, you know, emotional resilience, if we're going to measure it, it's your bounce back ability rate. If that's a word, I don't know. I just make it, made it up, right? <laughs> sure. So it's the speed at which you recover. And how do you assess that? Well, every single one of us experiences adversity, whether it's uh, some kind of health challenge, a divorce, an accident, a death in the family, whatever it is, we all experience adversity. And the question is, when we get kicked, how long do we stay down? And so what we're looking at is, you know, it's okay to feel the pain. The issue is it's not okay to sit in the pain forever because then you are living a life in a state of being a victim. You know, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people to take their experience and kind of run with it, do something good with it, turn it into an advantage rather than a disadvantage. I realize obviously you can't identify your clients, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about a scenario where you've actually helped someone with this and helped them improve their emotional resilience and they've gotten some results from that. Sure. So I'll give you a great example. And it's an example of a client who has given me full permission to tell his story because it's such an extraordinary story. This is a client. He's a young guy. He's in his, you know, mid thirties and he has stage four cancer. And he came to me through a referral. Someone told him about me. And when he came to me, he said, yeah, you know, I need help. I, I own a valuation company. So very intelligent, highly driven, super smart, has already accomplished quite a lot. But he has this major challenge to contend with. And I said, okay, well, what are you looking to do? What is it that you want to get done? And my first question is, what is the prognosis, right? Like, how much longer do you think that you have to live? And he said, I think around two years. I said, okay, so what do you want to do? He said, I want you to help me become more productive. And when I heard that, intuitively, I knew that that's not actually what he wanted me to do with him. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I want to make more money. I want to leave it behind for my family. Like there are things that I want to accomplish and I just got to get more done in the time that I have. And I started to understand that when I broke down, I started to understand his story. By the way, when I coach people, I ask them to journal every single day. And when they journal, I have access to the journal. And so I read and respond to the journal. So there's a lot of dialogue. And so I was collecting a lot of information and started to understand that what he actually wanted was help in achieving his goal. And he was the type of person who had to touch everything. Like he had to read every evaluation. He had to have the final say on everything. And so we couldn't stretch out his time any more than that. And so 
one of the things we started to do was help him find really great people who could work with him and take a load off of his plate. And so it wasn't that he needed to be more productive. It was that he simply had to offload a great amount of his responsibility so that he could focus on what he wanted to do in the time that he had. And how did the shift take place? I'm curious about that because it's clear that it was more reducing the interference that was in his way. Do you recall that moment? You know what? It was through conversation. It was through dialogue. It was through the idea that, you know, he was afraid that nobody could do it as well as him. And when he started to look at the resources around him, he noticed that actually some people could do it a whole lot better. And so our conversations are always around what can we outsource? What can we give away? And what do you want to do with this time? Like what's on your bucket list? And let's start getting that stuff done. And so one of the things he's done with his company is once a month, he goes out and he builds home like homes for humanity. He built homes like physically with his own hands. So he's turning his life into something that's meaningful in this time. That's a beautiful story. It's amazing how people come to you from a business perspective with what they perceive to be a business problem. And you're able to take them to this next level and really change their whole life. Well, that's exactly it. Actually, you, you've hit something really important is people do come for business or professional reasons. But Professional reasons are usually a reflection of a thinking problem that a leader has. And so the way a person thinks in all areas of their lives will affect them. Very often I will look at, let's say, an individual who is leading a a company or an organization or a division, and I will see how they parent, for example. And there's a huge relationship between the way they show up as a father or mother and the way they show up in their business as a leader. And so there are lots of crossovers that exist in those scenarios. Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. And sometimes it's those very things that make them so successful in those realms are also what's limiting them from taking that next step to get the thing they really want. That's exactly right, because the thinking that takes you to point A isn't necessarily what's going to take you to point B. Kim, I wonder if you could walk me through the process you use. Yeah, absolutely. So when we coach people, we begin with a very instrumental 10-week process. So very often, a coaching cycle will last longer than 10 weeks, but it's those first 10 weeks that are so important and foundational. And here's what happens in the 10 weeks. There's a call once a week. Every call is recorded, and we ask our clients to listen to the recordings before the next call. Why? So that they can start to become observers of their own thinking, of their own language, and start to hear the stories that they tell, the patterns they get involved with, and they start to notice the traps they fall into. So we're teaching them to become masters of their thinking. The second thing we do is that in between every call, we ask our clients to journal in an online journal, and it's a private experience between the client and the coach. So at the beginning of the week, we give them a journaling question, they respond, and the journal goes to the coach who then asks more questions, goes deeper, digs. And so there's a dialogue going on between the coach and the client every single day for the whole entire 10 weeks. After 10 weeks, it slows down a bit. But in those 10 weeks, dramatic change takes place because it's such an intense and intimate experience. It sounds like through journaling, you're really increasing their mindfulness and getting them to see what's really on their mind that they don't even realize on their subconscious mind. 
Well, that's exactly right. And what we're looking at is what are the beliefs that are holding people hostage? What are the beliefs that keep people trapped where they are? And you know, you've often heard of a person who takes two steps forward and three steps back. People keep bumping up against the same problem over and over again, perhaps you know, dressed in different outfits, but it's the same essential problem. And that's a function of the way a person operates in terms of their thinking. And what we're really trying to do is show a person how their thinking impacts their results and help them make really minor but significant shifts in their thinking to experience vast results. Kim, I know in some of your materials, you reference healthy mindset. Can you describe that for me a little? Well, a person who has a healthy mindset is a person who is not at the mercy of the outside world so much. So a person who has a healthy mindset, again, we're going back to the concept of emotional resilience, experiences different emotions, experiences disappointment and uh, anger and all that stuff, but they recover. They don't stay in that state forever. Kim, I'm really fascinated by the choice you made to incorporate journaling as a big part of the framework of your coaching experience. Uh, How do your clients react to this? Because I imagine this is a challenge for a lot of people. Some people maybe never write at all. And how do you indoctrinate them? How do they react to it? Well, there's a few things that I want to say. Like, how do you communicate now? By text, by email? You know, there's so much writing conversation that takes place. So imagine that it's a dialogue that's just taking place online. So that's number one. Actually, they're far more used to it than you would imagine, right? And so it's a similar concept that when you journal, I read and respond. So it's that same back and forth that you would experience in email or in text version. So number one is it's not so unusual. But for those people who are somewhat resistant, they get a lot of comfort in knowing that they're going to get a response. So they're eager to journal and look forward to the response. The third part about it is the journaling component is a game changer in the coaching world. And so what they see is this dramatic shift in a very short period of time. And so the reason they come to me is because of the process. So some people, you know, they journal every day, three, four or five times a day. Some people, you know, maybe they take it a little slower and they journal once a day. And some people, they can't even manage that. But that's okay. Because our process allows us to extract the real information that we need. So even if they only journal two or three times a week, we're getting what we need. Maybe the process is slower, but we still get quite a lot from that, even on its own. That's really fascinating. I mean, I I have not heard of this process of interactive journaling. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, honestly, it is such a magical experience for both the coach and the client. You know, one of the things that I really believe is that in order for a client to truly move forward, they have to totally trust the coach and be completely transparent. And I feel often that coaches simply don't have enough information to work with when they're working with their clients. They meet with them once a week or once every two weeks. They talk for an hour and it's simply not enough data. And so through the process of journaling, the coach really gets to know a lot about the client that isn't accessible any other way. And so we're working with real-time information, we're dealing with real-time challenges, and we're making a difference in the moment. And do you keep your own journal? Of course. I've been journaling ever since I was a a kid. And so this process is just a, a natural expression of who you are. 
Absolutely. You know, I was married and got divorced. And when I went through that divorce period, I journaled, you know, many times a day. And honestly, it was like a source of oxygen for me. You know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners, a lot of people have gone through divorce and it's a tough, tough experience. And I want to say that one of the things that I wanted to do when I went through my divorce was to go through it with as much grace and dignity as I can muster. And man, that was tough some days. And so, uh, the journal just allowed me to unload all the negative feelings, the fear, the worry, the doubt, the disappointment, the, you know, the, the anger, whatever it was that I was feeling. And it allowed me to constantly remember what it is that I wanted. Where am I heading? Where am I going? What would I rather have? What kind of relationship do I want? How do I want to live my life now that I'm on my own? What kind of parent do I want to be? You know, it's amazing how this relates to a lot of studies on neurobiology and what we're seeing now that we can image the brain and see what's happening and what's being activated. And some of the sources I'm reading suggest that activities such as journaling, when you actually get those emotions out, it's as if you're expressing them. So if you're just letting your pen go, so to speak, or letting your fingers go on the keyboard and venting about your frustration with another person, it has the same effect on your brain as if you were actually living the experience and then it's out and you're done with it. And it just like such a relief. Well, you know what? That's an interesting thing. So there's a concept, right? And the concept is that what you focus on expands in your experience. And so it's a very tricky thing because if you're constantly using your journal to complain about someone else, to spew, to vent, right? On the one hand, it's good because you're getting it out. On the other hand, you're focusing on that on an ongoing basis. And in a way, it cements your feeling. Mm. And so what you actually want to do is use your journal to do that, to vent, to get it out, to pour it out. But it's very important that at the tail end of your journal, that you spend some time, what I would say, turning yourself around. You might even want to write that in your journal. It's time to turn myself around. And at that point, you want to ask yourself, so what do I want? And when you start to think about what you want. So for example, I had a client and at the beginning of coaching, I said, you know, what's singularly the most important thing to you? He said, hands down, the single most important thing to me is my relationship with my wife. Nothing is more important than that. I want to have intimacy with her. I want to be on the same page with her. I want us to head in the same direction. I want us to spend good quality time together. That's more important to me than my business, than any other family member. Like, that's it. That's the single most important thing to me. About three weeks later, he wrote in his journal, I got into a massive fight with my wife. It was terrible. I was so upset that I went to sleep in the other room, (laughs) right? Oh, man. So here's what happens. He gets into a massive fight. He may be right about what it is that he's fighting about, but he's forgotten what he really wants. Right. Right. And and the result is he's sleeping on the couch. Right. (laughs) Right. But the the thing is, so he really wants intimacy and yet his actions show the complete opposite. And that's what we do over and over and over again. We often do the exact opposite of what it is that we actually truly want. Something gets in the way and it has to do with our thinking. In his case, his thinking was, well, I am absolutely right about this. She's wrong and I feel disrespected in her actions or in her point of view, right? So what that did was it took him completely far away from the very thing that he wanted. But so in the journaling process, what we want to do is give people an opportunity to unload and vent. But then we want them to remember what they want. What do I want? I actually want to be on the same page as my wife. All right. So then does sleeping in the other room accomplish that? 
No, not really. (laughs) Right? Yeah, right. And so this whole idea of constantly turning yourself towards what it is that you want, that remembering factor, the focus on where you're headed, right? It's super important. It's a muscle we need to build because we get so distracted by all these inputs, by other people's opinions, by, uh, you know, the day-to-day stresses and requirements of our lives. So we constantly need to remember. And then when you're looking at a journaling practice, use it to unload, but always go back to what it is that you want and where you're headed and make a plan at the end if you want. You know, Kim, that is such a great example. And what you're making me think of is sort of the difference between counseling and coaching and how when you're venting, you're in the past. You're venting about something that happened. And it's great because you're getting it off your chest, right? But to really move forward, which is what coaching is about, you have to come back to the present and the future. So it's like you're getting rid of this awful thing that happened. But I love the way you talk about, okay, what is the thing that I want? Because that question is what can take you through that door and help you transition from the bad thing that happened or the frustrating thing that happened to locating yourself where I am now to what is the thing that I want and what do I have to change to get there? You know, you said something really important and it's locating where I am right now. And I have to say, if there was one piece of advice that I could give to anybody who's listening, it's this, is that very often, you know, there's an expression and the expression is, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. You know that one? Of course. Well, it's wrong. <laughs> it's uh, it's inaccurate. Uh, the real expression actually needs to be, if you always think what you always thought, you'll always get what you always got. And very often when we want to get somewhere, when when we want to achieve a goal, when we want to get to a new destination, what we do is we take massive action. We've heard that before too, right? Sure. Except that if we don't know where we are and we don't know where we're pointed, that massive action may lead us completely in the other way. And so it's really important as a first step is to figure out where are we right now? Where are we pointed? What are our thoughts doing for us? Are they propelling us forward or are they actually really anchoring to a place we don't want to be? No, absolutely. And Kim, what you're bringing to mind is is the client side of coachability. There are listeners out there that are trying to discern, do I need coaching? Am I ready for coaching? How would you typify your best client and how do they know when they're ready for coaching? Yeah, my best client is uh, a person who is highly driven and typically they have four things in common. Number one is they have pretty big goals that they want to achieve. Number two is that they're typically very, very good people who want to make a positive difference in the world. Number three is that they are people who are spirited and want to live a really big life. They want to travel. They want to have all the experiences that life has to offer. They want to have great relationships. They want to be healthy. They want to make lots of money. So those are the types of people. And the last thing is they're people who keep bumping into trouble. They're people who get in their own way. They're people who are those people who take two steps forward and three steps back and keep banging their head against the wall with the same trouble over and over again. It could be conflict. It could be stress. It could be difficulty with money. It could be anything like that. But they keep bumping up against the same problem over and over again. And really, you know, when you say who's ready for coaching, it's the person who says, okay, I've tried this on my own. I've been trying it for years. I'm fed up. I need help. And I'm ready to do this with someone else who can walk by my side. 
That's excellent. Totally agree. The ones that are highly motivated, tried other things, just not working. They're ready to to make a major commitment. Without that commitment, it's just not going to happen. It's amazing to see what happens when a person, you use the word commitment, when a person makes a commitment to themselves. So not necessarily to any given action, but just to taking the time to really know themselves and understand how they're wired. And in speaking of commitment, Kim, we want to thank you so much again for your time today. It's been so great getting to hear about how you do what you do. And it's clear in just the way that you listen that you must be an extremely effective coach. Thank you for that. (laughs) So tell us, is there anything else you'd like to offer our listeners today? Yes, actually. I'd love to invite anyone who's listening to come to our website, frameofmindcoaching.com, and try out an assessment. When I talk about knowing where you are right now, that's exactly what the assessment does. It allows you to take stock of what's going on in your life right now that's working and what's going on in your life right now that's not working. And when you take that assessment, what ends up happening is you receive a complimentary coaching call with one of our coaches to review the assessment with you to really identify some of those things that you want to be working on and shift over in your life. So it's amazing. That one call has been known to make a huge impact for people. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for that really generous offer. I'm sure our listeners will take advantage of that. Well, thank you so much. It's been uh, really awesome being on the show. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks again for the great work. Our guest today has been Kim Addis of Frame of Mind Coaching. You can learn more about Kim, take the Frame of Mind assessment, and receive the free follow-up session in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.